Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show today, brought to you by The Athletic UK. We're going to be looking back at Fulham's 2-0 win in the second round of the Carabao Cup against Birmingham City. Not that anyone who wasn't there at the game was able to see it. And we'll be looking ahead to Saturday's top-of-the-table clash, as Sky Sports would call it, against Stoke City, both on 10 points what will be the outcome going into the international break and of course it is the Thursday club so I'm joined by Mr Jack Collins hello listeners and P Diddy himself Peter Rutzler oh P Diddy okay hello how are you doing I'm, I'm right? not sure about that mate yeah I'm, I'm a bit I'm, <laughs> a bit I'm worried about that one I'm slightly uh, underwhelmed by that as Nick I like nicknames as they go that one I'm not sure about P Rutz P Rutz I can live with I don't know why I came up with that. Sorry, I should have given you your official title. Chief Fulham writer for The Athletic, Peter Rutzler. How are you doing? That's much better. Thank you, Sammy. Prefer to Um, use my full title. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, Jack, let's go into some of the three-word reviews from Birmingham on Tuesday. Uh, What were the best ones that came in? Most of them seem to be centred around the fact that none of us that were at home could watch it. Yeah, there was a lot of just couldn't see it. Um, so I decided <laughs> to try and steer away from that in, in some parts, unless they were really good. Rob Zapowski had Stan's Field Trip, which I thought was clever. Um, Alison Nemo oh. said Stan's Field of Dreams. Uh, Matt Wall, Unseen Brum Fun was a, was a good one. <laughs> Matt Chantry with Silver Trillion Trophies I enjoyed. Luke Resch with a similar Stan's Fields of Gold. Um, but the best of the lot was from our very own Cam Ramsey. Um, and I hate doing this because it feels really like self-centred, but this was unbelievable. He had streamless but seamless. Yeah, it was the clear winner. And, and it, it does 94 look, likes. You don't get yeah. that very often. It's it's not a good look for Fulhamish picking our own um, as, the, as the best three-word review. But when but they're that good, sometimes you just have to. Yeah. I mean, that's why we hired him. You know, that's 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 why that's why he's, that's he's a writer for writer, Fulhamish. Man. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, well done, Cam. Although Brum Fun was, was yeah. particularly Unseen Brum Fun. Excellent from Matt. Was very, <laughs> very good. Um, before we start, just to say that if you want to sign up for The Athletic UK, you can right now getting 33% off the subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Get all of Peter's articles and all of the other fantastic articles on there. I read the... Um, David Ornstein, Jack Wilshire interview um, yesterday, which was a particularly brilliant, um, insightful, at times kind of sad interview. Um, we were such a great player, an iconic player that has not had the career that he wants. But that was my particular highlight on The Athletic this week, outside of of Peter's wonderful work, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, athletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. If you want 33% off the regular subscription, there is so much good stuff on there. And you get to listen to this pod advert free. So that's an added bonus. You don't have me waxing on. Or about- a non-added bonus, if you will. Oh, very good. Very good. You don't hear me wanging on about, I don't know, cryptocurrency or wrapping paper solutions, monthly subscriptions of that stuff, kind of stuff. You just get pure Fulhamish, unadulterated Fulhamish. Right, let's come on to the game then. I should say, by the way, if you hear him banging in the background, I've got electricians working downstairs, so um, apologies in advance. Um, Peter, talk to us about Birmingham on Tuesday. None of us saw it. So um, <laughs> you're, you're even more valuable than normal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that was strange that no one could could see it. I mean, it's a shame because Jay Stansfield's goal was was excellent. You know, it was a lovely, lovely finish. Um, I think most people, uh, when they talk about Jay, they talk about his ability to take his chances and and, and his very, very good right boot. Um, it's been a sort of difficult period for him. I mean, uh, we'll probably talk about him a little bit more, but you know, to come back in to get his first full start. Um, and, and to take it like that was fantastic. And it was a shame that, um, <laughs> that obviously you guys couldn't, couldn't see the goal, but 
I'm sure we've all seen it now and uh, afterwards. Um, it felt, felt like job done uh, in Birmingham. Um, both teams made a lot of changes. Uh, I think I think Birmingham made 11, actually. Uh, or maybe it was 10, but Fulham made 10. Uh, and I think the encouraging thing is that Fulham are still unbeaten. Four wins in a row. It's four wins in a row. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah four. Yeah. So many, I'm losing count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that feeling has sort of been shared around the squad a little bit more. Um, the ones that came in, I think, did very well. Um, I think the positions we're probably looking at most will be right back. Uh, obviously, Dennis Sadoy came in and, and did well and centre-half because of the fact that Kenny Tetter and Tim Ream are doubts. And um, it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod after that. But in terms of the performance, it was a job well done. And, and it was nice to see the youngsters do well. I mean, there was a, there was a good academy spine. Uh, obviously, Tyrese Francois, Adrian Pagaziti making his full debut. Well, he looked very, very comfortable. Um, and then obviously Marek Rodak back in goal. Didn't have too much to do. Everything he did do seemed pretty confident. And uh, and Jay up front. So all in all, a good, a good night's work. Um, and uh, yeah, hats off to the 300 who did travel as well. It was, uh, it was good to see you all there. Yeah, no, real respect to those that did make it up. You know, short notice and trying to get tickets was difficult because I think you couldn't get them on the gate because no. it was like a 48 hour window to get them. So um, yeah, real respect to those that, that make it up to Birmingham. I, it was annoying because effectively the way that the second round of the Carabao Cup is done is it's it's split into um, north and south. So generally for the second round, you should get a tie that's like not like a massive trip, but Birmingham mm. is probably on the borderline of where it's the north-south line... You can get, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's an fact, unfortunate If I'm not mistaken, Villa are in the north half of the draw. And yeah. Birmingham are in the yes, south. Yes, of course. Yes, because Villa played Barrow, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So, How mental is that? So that is a bit mad, isn't it? It does It does feel a bit odd. It literally divides across Birmingham. Okay, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, you're totally right, Jack. Um, uh, Jack, it was great to see Anthony Robinson get his first goal for the club just days after he got his first assist for the club. So I think we've um, potentially got a different side of Anthony Robinson here. We knew we probably had this side of him in the locker, goal scoring, assisting. But it's nice to see it coming to the fore now because I think that... If he adds that to his game, then he really does become a, a very, very dangerous left back if he wasn't already. Yeah, there has been an awakening, if you will. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he feels like he's starting to, to maraud. And I think this is maybe something that we, we've talked about, right? And the fact that we're, we're starting to see the fullbacks hit the byline. We're starting to see the fullbacks career into the box. We're starting to see the fullbacks make real differences at the sharp end of the pitch. And it's something we didn't really see under Scott Parker, right? That's the that's the difference here. We're, we're suddenly, and, and look, there is also the element of this that you have to consider, and I'm not going to lay this all at Scott's doors. One of them is in the championship and one of them is in the Premier League, sure. But even in the first season under Scott in the championship, it was hardly, you know, the, the fullbacks going absolutely like wandering through teams. It was Joe Bryan did that in, in, in the playoff final and we were all a bit like, where's that come from? We're not seeing that all year. And um, so it, it did feel a bit like they've been let off the leash and, and, and in doing so, it's quite nice to to allow the attacking tendencies of our fullbacks to get into the game. And and I actually think it's potentially why we haven't seen someone like Steven Sessegnon, right, play in this game because we've seen and 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 kind of over the times he has played for Fulham. And look, I love Stevie Sessegnon. I would love love him to to be a success at this club. But I'm I'm struggling to see it when Silva wants his fullbacks to go and, and push on and, and, and be part of that. And and what we're seeing is is a player who's defensively excellent and, and maybe is a little bit suspect going forward. You know, a kind of, I don't know, Aaron Wambasaka mould, shall we say, of a, of a fullback. And and I don't know if there's space for that in a, in a silver system. What we're seeing from Robinson is him really, really start to to push forward, to to tuck in, you know, tuck wide a lot of the time and, and really hit that overlap. But that underlap from Cav is the first we've really seen of that. And it's something we saw Silver do quite a lot at Everton with Luca Dean there. Um, that, that Luca Dean underlap and, and Seamus Coleman did it a little bit as well to, to a lesser extent. But Luca Dean's underlap made massive strides in, in, for Silver in, in that Everton side. And, and I think we're going to see more of it because it's something that tactically he, he has done before. Uh, and I wasn't surprised to see Robinson popping up in the box at that point to, to get a shot away. And thankfully it went in. Yeah. Um, 
Peter, let's talk about the kids then that, that we saw out on the pitch. Uh, we, we, we mentioned Jay Stansfield and you, you spoke to him at, at full time. Um, we had Tyrese Ronsoir on the side. We, we know about Tyrese Ronsoir, but Pajaziti, uh, a name new to a lot of Fulham fans. Um, I looked down the Fulhamish WhatsApp after we sent the team and the most common response was, I thought I knew all the Fulham players, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Pajaziti was a new one. I'd heard of Pajaziti, but I hadn't, I didn't know much more about him. Uh, a tidy performance in, in the center of midfield, not like huge amounts to write home about, but just some neat passing would fit. It seems to fit in into this side in, in, in the cup team. Yeah, um, I had the same thing on my with my Twitter mentions as well. So, so who, who is Adrian Pajaziti? Where has he come from? Has he just popped out of nowhere? But um, no, he's been around for a while. He has had uh, quite a, a rapid progression in the 18s and 23s. I think it's last year was, it would have been his second year of the 18s and he was the plan was to play him first half in the under 18s, second half of the season, 23s. Pretty much played the whole season with the 23s, was captaining them by the end. I think he's captain now. Um and yeah, he's he's exactly as you say. He's a he's a central midfielder. He's very tidy. Um, I think on the last day, last under twenty threes game of last season against West Brom at the Cottage, I spoke to Colin Amogbahin and actually asked about Adrian because he had a very good game. And um, you know he he's a number. He can play as a six. He can play as an eight. Play as a ten. You can see how good he is technically. Um, he's quite tall. He's six foot. I was quite quite surprised by his his, his frame, but he, he's still a little bit light. I think. I think he can still. Uh, I think we saw an element of that in the game. And, and actually, afterwards, Marco Silva said that he, he almost made it difficult for his midfield trio because they're all quite creative. Obviously, you had Bobby Dekadova reed who was far more advanced. Um, Tyrese Francois is, is an, as another tidy player, but he's not the most physical. And the same with, with Adrian Pajaziti. So, and, and I think at times we saw that in the game. You could see Birmingham... When they did break, they would break through central areas quite quite comfortably, whether that be going direct or, or, or playing through them a little bit. Um, but on the ball, I think both both Tyrese and, and Adrian Pajaziti were were very very good, and um, it's it's, an, it's a good step for for Pajaziti. I think he's been, uh, I think he's uh, sort of been fortunate in that you know he's not a player who's training with the first team. He's not like Jay Stansfield who has been with the first team since since the summer. But uh, he he was sort of called into it. I mean, we we can see that they're sort they are quite light in central midfield at the moment. Angisa wasn't involved last night. Seri was on the bench. Uh, Reed's still not back. Kearney's Kearney's still out. So he, in an, in a way, it sort of opened for him. And and Silva said that he'd impressed when when the first team have played the twenty threes, and and that's how he got the opportunity. And, and I, I think he took it. You know, he's put himself into the frame now, and um, it's a, it was a big night for him. And and you know, he played full ninety. And that's that's all you sort of really want from from a youngster, and um, it's so encouraging for for the academy as always. I mean, they, they, that age group in particular: um, Adrian Pajaziti, Jay Stansfield, Fabio Carvalho, similar age. Harvey Elliott would have been the same age as well. I mean, it's that's one hell of a cohort they've got coming through. Mickey Bierre, if he went to Arsenal, another one in that age group. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty one hell of a generation that um, that have come through and. Um, and then, of course, we, we mentioned about Jay. Um, I, did, I did speak to Jay afterwards. He's a really down-to-earth guy. You could see how much that, that moment meant to him. He said his family were, were in the stands. They'd, they were able to come down. They'd come up from, from Devon, of course. Jay signed from, from Exeter in 2019. Um, and, and, you know, for him, you know, in, in the last couple of years, it's not been straightforward in that, you know, he made his debut under Scott Parker, scoring tons of goals for the under-18s after joining from, from Exeter. Um, and it was at that point that you thought, okay, maybe he can he can kick on again, but um, never was never quite able to do that. Um, you know, the, the pandemic was one thing we've talked about before on on this pod about how that sort of separated them out, the the twenty threes and the academy and the eighteens, and, and how that makes things a little bit more difficult. But also, he had a he had a serious ankle injury, so that wiped off four months. And I think it was only midway through last season uh, that we that Jay Stansfield was starting to get back into that rhythm of of how he was playing before that. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, and now, and he had the opportunity to train with the first team in the summer has impressed in preseason games. Obviously it's been light in attack because it's only Alexandra Mitrovic who's sort of a recognized center forward. Mm. Um, uh, and that's given Jay Stansfield an opportunity and, and, you know, Silver says afterwards, 
uh, said afterwards that you know he he plays these players because he thinks they're ready. It's not because they're in the academy. It's not because they're just there. It's because he, he thinks they're you know they're, they're they're able to play in the first team. And it's been so refreshing to see how so many young players in, in the team. And because we all know how good Fulham's academy is, and actually being able to see it, uh, see these guys coming through, see that they're able to to fit in well and play in a team that's winning, which which is also important. I mean, it's it's much harder. If you, if you take Premier League season because you're not going to get those opportunities and the environment is very different. But right now in a season like this, it's it's a great opportunity. And, and for, for Pajaziti and Stansfield coming in, it's, it was a really nice moment for them and, and they both did well. Well, it is, you say like we all know how good Fulham's academy is and of course we do, but like I think because we've so infrequently had the chance to see players and, and last season Fulham had the lowest amount, I think, of academy minutes mm. in the whole of the Premier League. It was so dispiriting last year and that was why the kind of the Fabio Carvalho moment towards the end of the season where he scored against Southampton and played well in those games was, was so refreshing because it was like, oh yes, okay, this there, there is some kind of path, even if a narrow path between the, the academy and the first Team, but I guess that's the benefit that the championship gives you. Um, if you want to read Peter's article, which is all about uh, Stansfield and Pajaziti, it's on The Athletic uh, right now. Uh, and the code is the same from the beginning of the link if you want to sign up to The Athletic. Um, Jack, your thoughts are on the youth team um, burning through. We've known about Jay Stansfield for a number of years. We got him from Exeter. Everyone was very excited then. It does feel finally like the realisation of the talent that we've always known he had. Yeah, um, I think it's important not to not to massively rush things, right? And Drew wrote an article on Fulhamish yesterday about he's like, let's just get really excited and, and make sure that Stansfield's on the bench and getting minutes. And I was like, whoa, let's cool that off a minute. Um, I remember everyone being incredibly excited about Stevie Humphreys, right? And uh, well, that didn't go quite a plan, did it? And then I think you can <laughs> you can think about this and look at it in different ways and look that's not a, that's no um that's no skin off of, of what Jay Stanso has done especially this week because he, he the goal was absolutely exceptional I thought he was he was really good you know again we couldn't watch it if you weren't there but there's if you if you do want to go back and have a little bit more of a look um there's extended highlights on the Birmingham YouTube rather than the Fulham one um, there's about 10 minute highlights there so you can watch the game in a little bit more depth um, and kind of understand it. And I think that's where I saw Pagetti shine a little bit more. You know, that that coolness, that calmness in possession, the ability to just recycle um, and get things done on a, a kind of comfortable basis. And it's mad that Tyrese Francois is the senior partner in that in, in that midfield duo. Right. But <laughs> that's where Fulham have got to. And. No, I think it's just it's important that we just we measure this. I think it's it's crucial that these players do get minutes, and that's why it's exceptionally important that we get through things like the first round of this cup competition because it opens up the door for minutes and opportunities and and genuinely you know like competitive games for players who are on the cusp of breaking through from from the under twenty three squads and and beyond and. Look, it's not it's not just this lot. Obviously, Sylvester Jasper's gone out on loan as well. Kieran Bowie, someone we haven't spoken about, but but he, he's you know someone that they think has a really bright future at the club as well. And and I think that there's a there's a, there's a real pipeline open there if Fulham can keep it going. Like now, it's difficult because if you come up to the Premier League next year. Who's the player that gets the opportunity? I don't know. I don't know if you, you have that same ability to just chuck someone in at the deep end if Fulham win the league and, and go up, and which is something we're all hoping for. And so there is this element that this year you want to see more of those players get those opportunities. Uh, hopefully the, the, you know, the next round in the cup is something that we can we can look at at our Leeds game and say, right, can you step up and do it against, I'd imagine, what will be you know, the reserve side of a Premier League team rather than the reserve side of a championship team. And that's another question mark and another step up that you can you can look at. Uh, and from there, I think it's just a question of, you know, trusting these players if the opportunities arise. Like, look, Pajaziti, for example, is, is gonna have is gonna do well to get past John Mikel Seri. He's gonna do well to get past Josh Onomer in the form that he's on. He's gonna do well to get past Harrison Reed when he's back to fitness but that's not saying that that's impossible and we've seen from the ex the explosion of, of Fabio Carvalho that that when players do get an opportunity and they seize it they will be given those opportunities again and so I'm hopeful that, that the same thing will happen here this year um yeah I mean Jack you probably raise a good point there that maybe the Leeds draw is good for Fulham's development point of view I'm I'm just sick of the cup draws sick of them yeah, I mean, look, it's, what were we looking for? There was, I mean, FC Wimbledon, maybe, you know, a trip to Plough Lane might have been fun. That would have been, that would have been lovely. But like, away. That's what, one of 32? Like, the chances are relatively small, mate. Like There was loads of good draws in the last round. Was we could there? Have got Forest, could have got Forest Green away. I mean, 
you say that, but I mean, if we'd got Forest Green away, it would have been even more difficult to get to than Birmingham away. You wouldn't yeah, have been still there. Away. Still would have been fun. <laughs> like it's as it's as simple as that. Like it's. I think the best you can look for at this point is like a, a, a local derby away or or just like a, a lower league team at home. They're the two things you want really at that point, right? Just That's what I'm asked for. Just to follow up on Jack's point about the development side, I think one of the things that obviously with Fulham being relegated, the, the academy are a little disappointed about is that they're not in the EFL trophy this year, which they absolutely loved and thought was a fantastic vehicle for the young players to play against senior senior pros. You know, Last year they had three games. Uh, they were difficult encounters. They're, they're, it's a completely different environment to what 23's football is like. And it's those opportunities that they've sort of lost a little bit. So a cup run is, you know, all the more important when that second avenue is, you know, is is shut off for this season. And, and, I, and you know, there, there are loads of pros and cons to the EFL trophy, particularly if you're a lower league club and you don't really want to be playing academy sides. But from the academy perspective, it's, it is quite valued. Um, and, you know, and one of the other things actually, while, while we're on that topic is, I'm just thinking of Adrian Pagaziti here um, with the pandemic and everything that's been going on. And we've talked about playing at LSE and that pitch. The, 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 there was a general unhappiness at the pitch last year because it, in the summer it was too hard. In the winter it was too wet. Um, and, and it just, it was not very conducive to playing decent football, particularly the football that we're sort of used to. Uh, and, and you take someone like Fabio Carvalho and you take Adrian Pagaziti, very technical players, Tyrus Francois, and it was much harder to play in that sort of way. It was a bit more of an attritional style that Fulham adopted. They still did okay, but um, you know, never quite not able to play in the way they'd want to. And I think at the tail end of last year when they played one or two games at the cottage, you could just see the difference. And these players have just come alive. And and now that you know they're that's sort of been taken away, they're now playing back in Mosper Park. It, that makes quite a big difference as well. So, I mean, in terms of presenting themselves these opportunities, it, it's much easier to do that and, and to showcase what they can do. And as we saw on, on Tuesday night, you know, they're very, very, um, very, very capable at, at a senior level, technically. I mean, um, maybe it's taught them how to, you know, play at a wet Tuesday night in uh, in Cheltenham. That would have been another good draw for the third round, Jack. Um, trying to look through here. I mean, I, I get your point that like, if I couldn't make it to Birmingham, then could have I made it to Oldham, but still, you know. I'm just, I'm just saying, just saying. I wanted to make like a scale of like fun cup draws with like, maybe like call it like the Kettering spectrum or something like that with Kettering at like ultimate number 10, like 10 out of 10 away day that you can get in the cup. I'd say Leeds is maybe Leeds at home is probably like maybe four out of 10. Like it's not too bad because at least like it's a Premier League team at home. Would, would you agree with that, Jack, on the on the Kettering spectrum? Yeah, it's fine. It, it's fine. Like it's 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 a you know side we haven't we aren't going to play in the league this year. So there's that there's that element of it. You know, it's not going to Birmingham twice in two weeks. So that's a start. Mm. Um, it gets oh, us. Oh to... yeah, we've got to go again, haven't we? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, we've got to go again. Don't worry. Oh. Um, in, and it's in about week. in about oh. ten days. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's yeah. I, I look, I'm all right with Leeds at home. Uh, I think it'd be interesting. I think it's a good test for the lads to play. Uh, you know, for this side. And I, I hope. Silver will do the same thing. I hope he will rotate. I hope he will give opportunities to the young guns who haven't been given an opportunity in the league. Um, and if he does, then it's a good it's a good test against a Bielsa side um, who will who will undoubtedly play in that way, no matter what side comes out for Leeds. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it go. I, I'm okay with it, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, well, that's going to be played um, on the 21st of September at 7.45, that game against Leeds. That's in between the Reading home game and the Bristol away game. Um, so, yeah, I, I imagine he probably will go for a second string side, Jack. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't rotate heavily. Um, but one game I know he won't rotate heavily for is Stoke City. And we're going to be talking about that next. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Peter Rutzler. Hello, hello. Jack's trying to like trip me up in the uh, interlude there saying, well, I think he will rotate heavily from the uh, from the cup game for Stoke. Well, he made 10 changes midweek, so I'd assume he's going to make, I assume he's going to make 10 changes again, mate, if I'm honest. You're being very tricky. You're being very tricky today. Yeah. All right. All right. Very, very tricky. Right. Um, 
let's come on to Stoke on Saturday then at the Cottage. Um, both teams vying probably to go top of the league. I guess West Brom might have something to say about that, but certainly um, to be in a very, very good position five games into the season going into the international break. Um, Jack, this is going to be for Fulham's first real big test. I, I'd argue that Middlesbrough was a bit of a test, but you know Stoke looked really, really good this season. Very strong defensively. Um, you know, struggled to score goals last year. Looked to have kind of fixed that a little bit this year. Uh, and if you saw the the goal that Stoke scored on Saturday, I believe it was against Forest, then. This is not the Stoke of old. This is not the Stoke um, that you know under Tony Pulis. This is a swashbuckling Stoke. Yeah, they're um, they're quite fun to watch, which is pretty weird to be saying about a Stoke. I can't City quite get my side. head around that. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre, but um, yeah, I'm 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 sure that they're they're having a good time. I'm sure our friends at the Wizards of Drivel are having a great time watching them. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, they are um, they are a very good side, and this midfield three in particular uh, of Joe Allen, Sam Klukas, um, and Mary Vrancic is is a very very good side, a very very good trio. They are, um, you know, very, very talented. There's a lot of footballing ability in there. Vrancic in particular um, did really, really well when he was at Norwich that first season in the championship and and obviously moved away and, and has gone to Stoke. And, and I think this is it, right? This is a side who were finding their feet under a new manager last season. Um, and, in, and Michael O'Neill is a very, very good coach. And I've said it before, he's someone who's taken you know, of Northern Ireland uh, and, and has taken Northern Ireland further perhaps than, than maybe that squad would suggest they could go in, in a tournament, in qualification and all of it. You know, he, he, he seems to have raised the bar in terms of what it, what it is for, for the Northern Irish football team. And, and then you take that and you look at what he's done with Stoke and, and suddenly this is a side playing in a 3-5-2 who, as you say, not only were playing really, really nice football, last week and, and plays, but can also mix it up right who who have the ability to to go long to a Stephen Fletcher if they need to who have the ability to run in behind Josh Tiemann on the on the on the right hand uh, the left hand side is, is is a very very good player and he will look to game behind he's the person who scored that goal last week but not only is it that he's someone who will look to to get off that shoulder if he needs to he's playing as a wing back at the moment which is quite interesting um, and just seeing those kind of attacking tendencies unleashed a little bit more um, I, I think it's a really good sense. And, and this Stoke side are, are I think, going to be the real deal. I, I'm not 100% sure they've got quite enough depth to go and, and, and push it to be a top two side this year. But I'd be very surprised if they're not in the playoffs. Michael O'Neill has done a very good job there. Um, I was just looking at some of his comments um, recently about the job he sort of inherited and why it's sort of taken so long for them to to probably do as well as most sort of predict at the start of every season because obviously they you know they're still that former Premier League team and he talked about how it was difficult for to bring through youngsters there when you have those disillusioned pros in the dressing room those senior elements who don't really want to be there the team aren't playing particularly well and there's it's harder to bring everyone together but Jack touched on it there you've got Josh Josh team and Ben Wilmot's come in there's Harry Suter as well at the back and then you've got that complemented by a really experienced core, you know, Sam Klukas, Joe Allen, Murray Vrancic, that's a really experienced trio in the middle and Stephen Fletcher up top. I think they brought in Sam Surridge as well. Yeah, and Sam Surridge has done really well. He's a really good yeah, player. I really I, like him. I really like him as well. I'm surprised Bournemouth let him go, but I guess they need to, to raise funds. Um, he's, a, he's a poacher, classic poacher, and um, he just needs a run of games. He's not really had that. I think he had it at Swansea for a little bit where he was coming off the bench and suddenly he was in the first team and then he got recalled because Bournemouth had a an injury injury crisis so um they've got a nice nicely balanced squad now um there's a good amount of talent i do agree with, with jack about depth but you look at the results they've had already i think winning at swansea was was impressive uh they've got an experienced coach at the helm and and you, yeah you'd expect them to be up there i think they were one that we picked out at the start of the season as well um and they it's just having that nice balance of, of youth uh, and senior pros that want to be there and and when you start as well as you do then then that's important and i guess from just looking at them, but thinking about Fulham as well, um, having that positive start has been so so important. And this is this is the proper litmus test now, isn't it? We've had some there's some, been some tricky games, but this is the first real test, I think, uh, for where Fulham are at. Uh, are coming into it with the form that Fulham are on, they haven't lost under Marco Silva, including in preseason, so it doesn't really get much better than that. But you only have to look at Sheffield United and the hard start that Slavisa Ivanovic has had, and how quickly you can get caught in that sort of championship vortex that just sucks you in and keeps you there, which probably Stoke were 
were involved in and only now starting to come out of again. So it can it can take hold very quickly. So maintaining that positive atmosphere is really important and it'll be interesting to see how, how the two sides match up and hopefully it'll be a really, really good encounter and a real test for this uh, nascent silver silver ball. Yeah. Um, championship vortex, I like. I think yeah, that's, that's really that, nice. It really explains how this division can work and you, you are seeing Sheffield United at the moment who actually aren't playing like that badly. Oh, just I, can't... I, I, I maybe disagree no, with that. No, I don't think they are playing that badly. I just don't think they... I just I think, I think it's been tight games. I don't think it's gone, gone for them. I think they've missed big chances and I think they've lost games narrowly. Yeah, I think fi- that, yes. Fine margins losing 4-0 to West Brom to be fair. Fine margins. I mean, it was just long throws, though, wasn't it? It was embarrassing. Yeah, long Literally. throws FC. Long <laughs> throws FC are, are, are about. But look, look, we've got to deal with the fact that long throws FC are about. Like, to be perfectly honest with you, like, I've read, you read things like the numbers game, right? And people are like, why doesn't everyone do long throws? And they make a point. Like, long <laughs> throws work. Full stop. Long throws work. They're not that pretty, but they always work. Because like they just have a much higher percentage of making something happen than normal things. Like, it just, it's just the, like the numbers of the game. No, I don't like watching them, sure. And I'm happy to call West Brom long throws FC. But the reason they banged four in against Sheffield United is because long throws work. <laughs> um, Peter, I wanted to come on to some of the injuries. Um, Marco Silva did talk about it a bit after the Birmingham game. Imagine we'll find out a bit more in the press conference. But we saw Ream go off with an injured back. We saw Tete um, go off after, well, I think like a, like a hamstring injury. Yeah, muscular. Yeah, Muscular injury. It wasn't exactly yeah. clear. Uh, and and then Fabio Carvalho also went off towards the end of the um, of the Hull game. I mean, it seems mad to think that Fabio Carvalho is suddenly a big loss when he's only played four games and he's so new to the side, but he is. Um, have we got any hunches that we might see one of them back? Like Marco Silva kept his cards quite close to his chest on this one. Yeah, he did. He did afterwards and after the game on Saturday against Hull and then again after Birmingham uh, on Tuesday night. Um I think you know, Tim Ream obviously is his back, uh, Fabio Carvalho with his ankle and then Kenny, Kenny Tetter was muscular and I don't know which one that obviously had that calf issue that kept him out for quite a while last season so hopefully it's not a reoccurrence of that. Um, I think reading between the lines of what Silva's saying, I think, you know, I know he said he's at the, all three are a doubt. I, I feel like Kenny Tetter's is more serious um, and then Tim Ream and, and Fabio Carvalho will see. I think Carvalho seemed like a knock. Um, Reem, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know to what extent, and maybe maybe it will keep him out this this weekend. Silver says they're all a doubt, so uh, we'll just have to see. And I, I think the right back is interesting now. Um, Dennis Adoy did very well on Tuesday night. Um, he can do a job at this level. There's no doubt about that. Cyrus Christie's with the 23s, or had been with the 23s last week. I, I don't think he's going to stay this window. I imagine if if he can go, then he'll go. Um, and then there's Stephen Sessignon who. Uh, as Jack mentioned, you know we're still not haven't really haven't seen at all, and um, at least publicly um, under Silver, and he's I think he's had a few interruptions. So I think there was a COVID issue. I think there were, I think he's had a, a couple of slight knocks. So I don't know if there if there's a decision on Steven Sessignon yet. Um, last year he was unfortunate, got injured. He's just he's not really had many breaks really. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he does get that opportunity or at least come back into the picture. Now, of course, against Hull, Bobby Decker dover Reed came on and played at right back, um, which he's very good at. And uh, uh, we all know about his versatility, but <laughs> he did do wonder if that's a little bit of a waste again of his his talents. And I, I did ask Silver about Decker dover Reed, and he's a big fan of him. Uh, I think they he, he mentioned that they had a, a little chat about what his best position is. And of course, Decker dover Reed wants to play more offensive positions. We saw that against Birmingham. Um, but he, he does have that versatility. So, and particularly with the way Silver's teams attack, with, as Jack was outlining earlier about the fullbacks bombing on and how that's got the best out of Robinson, maybe that maybe that will give an opportunity for for Bobby on that side, and um, and that that will come into the, the consideration. Really, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that's the worst thing in the world because you know Silver's had a really good reputation of improving fullbacks and. With the, the early signs for Robinson, as we were talking about earlier in the pod, are really, really good. I mean, we all know that his sort of his end product was the issue probably last year. I think there were loads of times he got into good areas. <laughs> as much as it was that, there was also the fact that Fulham couldn't finish anything. Um, yeah. So actually getting the, the end product and that sorting that out, and I mean, he was so good against Hull, wasn't he? And the way he forced them to make a tactical change, I mean, that's that's the biggest compliment you can give a player, really. 
So that that's that bodes really well. And and yeah, and maybe may people see Bobby on the on the right. But getting really Marlon Fossey in IMO. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been around the first team, so he's 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 been he's been he's been there. So uh, I don't think he's 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 at that point yet, but he's been around. I just don't massively feel comfortable with Bobby at right back. I don't know. I I guess I'm worried about the defensive side. Like ultimately, I realise that Bobby's a talented player. He could do a job. He did a job against Hull, and and look, they had like Keen Lewis Potter on the left hand side, probably one of Hull's most dangerous players, and he kept him pretty quiet although by the time that Bobby was really having to do much work we were 2-0 up and it's you know a bit easier to defend when you are 2-0 up I would just be a bit nervous to see Bobby going up against Stoke at right back on on Saturday yeah right right back is different to right wing back and obviously under Scott Parker we saw him as a wing back as opposed to being as a a right back in a four which is a far more defensive responsibility so no I do agree um but you know there are options there um if, if Tete's injury is serious yeah, I mean, that'd be a massive blow, Jack, to lose Tete. Look, yeah, fortunately, Fulham have depth, Fulham have options. Um, and Ream is not quite as serious a problem because we have such depth at centre-back. But yeah, I, I'm I'm happy if it is Dennis Adoy uh, at right-back. But yeah, Tete is a massive loss. Like, no one can replace the, his quality. Maybe he can do the back thing if he comes on. That'd be good. That, I'd enjoy oh, that. It's been a long time it's since been a long time thing. since we saw Dennis do the back thing and that was at right back. <laughs> he hasn't played at right back all that much since he did the back thing. So maybe no. maybe he could return to doing that. Um, but yeah, no, it's obviously it's a, it's a big loss if we lose Tete. He's a cut above uh, I think uh, the this division. I mean, look, him, him having a little muscular issue at the end of the transfer window isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, um, because it means he ain't going to go bomb around doing any medicals, um, uh, any other clubs, frankly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I would rather he was fit. Please don't take that the wrong way. But um, if it's going to be, you know, if it's we've got we've got depth there. Alfie Morrison, I think, has been really good since he's come in. Um, he's been impressive. It'd be great to see him actually get a run of games. I mean, I literally call me doubting Thomas, but until Alfie Morrison plays ten games in a row, I refuse to believe that he will be able to play ten games in a row. Um, but you know, I, I'd love to see it. Things I would genuinely love to see. Um, yeah, I think we, we all wish him really well. It's just been such a shame that his time at Fulham has been so blighted by injuries. Aye, aye. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things now that we we look at it and, yes, you're right, there's more depth at centre-back than there is at right-back, whether it's Bobby in a, a right-back or, you know, you assume... that I, I think it will be a doid against the nod. I, I'd mm. be surprised if if he goes for Bobby Reid from right-back from the start and especially if Carvalho's out. Yeah. I think he's probably going to need Bobby Reid playing 10 because he's the only player in the squad who I think has the innate ability to do exactly what Carvalho does, or not exactly, but to get close to Mitrovic and play off him and, and be able to, to pick up those spaces, pick up those second balls around Alexander Mitrovic. I don't think we have a natural player who does that in the way that Carvalho does, um, apart from Bobby Reid. So I would be surprised if, if Carvalho is out, if Bobby Reid isn't playing 10. Is Wilson a potential option at 10? I realise he's not the same player as Carvalho, but he's certainly is very good in that position. And, and, and well, Peter said that Bournemouth, you know, would, would like to see Wilson. And of course he is back after suspension. Yeah. Well, I think you can play him there. I, I would probably stretch to putting him wide. I, I think he's better cutting off the wing on his left foot. I, I think he's better, you know, tucking inside. I like him off that right-hand side because it gives him the freedom to do what he does best. I think he's a wee bit wasted in the middle because one, you get marked a little bit more closely. Um, and two, you kind of have less space to, to angle your runs, um, which is what mm. Wilson is good at and then unleashing. So I would suggest that yes, he can play in the, in the 10 in a pinch, but I would prefer to see him off the right. That's interesting. Peter, your thoughts on, on Wilson returning? Uh, almost certainly he'll be back in the starting lineup after his suspension. Yeah. Good timing as well, obviously with, with Carvalho picking up a knock. So I, I do agree with Jack. I think Bobby Decker could really thrive in in the role that Silva wants. I think when he was at Bristol City, he played off for Mara Jeju, and that's when he had his highest goal scoring season, I think. Unless I've got he that was right. Br- he was brilliant that season. Yeah, he scored against so, Fulham, I remember. Yeah. So it was a similar sort of position in a sense, and that's what Silva wants from his number tens. He wants them to score goals, um, probably more so than than just creating opportunities. And um if you want to play, I can do that with Decker Dover Reed. But then again, you've got Wilson who's got goals in abundance. And but I do like him coming inside giving defenders something to think about. Um, the, the only question you would then think is who's bringing, giving the width on the right. I mean, Dennis Adoy is a very sort of right back, but then it's about what can come come in the final third as well. And 
but there is there is other options in going forward. You know, Niskan Skibana started the season really well. Even Cavalera's done okay. Uh, Anthony Knockout's still involved. So, um, who knows? I mean, there could be the flexibility to, to mix things up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look, uh, we'll see what happens um, on Saturday. Uh, certainly uh, a big game. Let's get into some questions after the break. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast with Sammy, Jack and Peter. Let's do a quick transfer update. It feels weird, Peter, that the window is closing in five days and the links for Fulham are threadbare at best. It's it's, it's almost like the business is done. Uh, Muniz was completed last Friday. Uh, we haven't discussed him massively. We might get into him a little bit more detail next week. Um, saw he was flying over from Spain to England um, yesterday. A, a Phil Jones rumour seems to be the limit of it coming in. Yeah, I can't see that happening. But, you know, famous last words, I guess. But yeah, Weirder things have Fulham happened out. at Fulham. Yeah, uh, it would require some some departures. So um, I, I guess what I would say about it being quiet is that it kind of points to there not being that many expected departures. Now, I don't want to say that because things change on deadline day, as we all know very well. Um, but I'm thinking specifically of John michel Seri and Frank Anguisa, who we've talked about at length. We both, well, we we know that they both would go. I think that's that's obvious. If the if the if a better suitor came in, but at the moment that hasn't materialised. So I imagine if if that changed and suddenly it became very very likely you'll see something uh, develop to, to fill the gap because we've seen how light Fulham are in midfield, particularly at the moment with, with injuries. As much as youngsters have done well, I think Silver will probably want to, to, to add some seniority in there. Um, but then the rest of the squad looks pretty pretty solid, I guess. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I don't see there being a desperate need. I mean, right back is a question mark, but I mean, there is options there. There's depth there and there's an opportunity there for someone to step up. So I wouldn't call it pressing. Um, I don't know. I mean, Silver at the beginning of the month was very much of the, was very much saying, I expect the squad to look very different. It doesn't look very different at the moment with five days to go. So I would probably say that's a good thing considering who's still on the books. Um, whether there's a need to move people is a, is a, is a different question. Um, I guess that's less pressing if, if Fulham look a dead set to go up. But um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, I guess that it's revealing in itself. There's nothing particularly urgent. I, I imagine, I think Max Martian's been linked to to Strasbourg recently mm-hmm. in France. They've talked about they've been quite close to going there. Yeah, he hasn't been involved. Close, yeah. yeah, he hasn't been involved at all. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I mentioned Cyrus Christie earlier. And then aside from that, you've got a, a, a good base there with some some good young players behind it. So um, we'll see. I mean, things change quickly and that's that's kind of how I, I kind of see it as linked, almost like a domino effect. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. What does transfer deadline day look for you like, Peter? Will you be doing a, a live blog or, or anything like that on The Athletic? I don't have to do, we, we do, we do like a... There is a, we have our tracker, which we, we update. And then there's also like, uh, I think we do... I don't know if we'll still do it. We do like a pod update if something's happening. I seem to have had busy, I've always seemed to have had busy deadline days. I had Josh King at Man United when I was at Bournemouth. And then Fulham is just every time. It's just, it's busy. I mean, it's never not. Is it last summer? Both of the two deadlines were, uh, were frantic to put it, to put it mildly. Lots of messaging, lots of calls and um, trying to find out what's actually going on. And then, and then, yeah. So maybe it'll be quieter this time, but I'm not, I'm not. Don't it's count your chickens. Yeah, count. Yeah. That's what I was, I was thinking of chickens, but I didn't know how to say it. But yeah, I'm not counting them. Okay. Well, you never know. Uh, TK might just wake up feeling dangerous on Tuesday morning and uh, and make it make your day a misery there, Peter. Uh, let's come on to a couple of questions that have trickled through. First one is from our new Fulhamish Discord uh, channel, which we've started for people that back us on Kofi. So thank you to all the people that have joined that this week. Um, and also thank you to people that back us on Kofi. Uh, Ryle says, I love this team and think Silver has done an amazing job, but isn't the quick start covering over the fact we haven't solved the problem of our long-term planning around player business. Are we any closer to stopping the yo-yoing? I must admit, Jack, I've had similar thoughts. Like I'm really enjoying what we're seeing, but I'm also thinking does what we're doing really 
stop the gap next season or is it just here we go again let's say that things go well this year okay so on this here's my here's my thoughts in that you you look at the players that that did well last season Kenny Tete Tosin Adrabayo Anthony Robinson to an extent um and you look at the the rest of the squad around them Harrison Reed did well last year he's still here John McElserry seems to be reborn um, now, look, I'm, I'm not going to judge Seri on, on four games because he had a great start to a season once before and uh, it didn't pan out quite as planned. But he's someone who you think has the capability and uh, and ability to go on and, and play probably at the top level. Uh, you look at Fabio Carvalho, who looks like he's someone destined for the very top. Harry Wilson's come in. He's someone who's played at Premier League level before on the right-hand side. And Alexander Mitrovic is Alexander Mitrovic. On top of that, we've brought in Rodrigo Munez, who's an unknown quantity in some ways, but appears to be someone who was on the radar of a lot of clubs and who there was genuine interest in from across Europe. So that's a, a pretty decent kind of platform. Now, obviously, that in itself is not going to be the answer to all these problems. But what it does is gives you a spine stronger than what went up last time in order to to build around. And I do think there's a, a level of this that we didn't we learned from our mistakes in some ways. We didn't learn from our mistakes in others. We what we did was we basically still failed to have we, we still basically turned over the whole squad, didn't we, last year? It was it, it ended up being a, a new squad, right? There was what three players who 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 played in the championship final, who playoff final, who who fe- featured regularly for last year's side. Now, if you look at what we're doing this time, you think maybe what you want is six or seven to start when you if you go up and and to start in the Premier League. Now, I think Fulham are edging closer to that. That's what I would suggest. And and whether that is by hook or by crook and whether that is by keeping hold of players and and making sure that they give it another role in the championship. And and we spoke about, you know, just then the fact that Silver thought the squad might look different. At the moment, it doesn't. And if you think about things like that, then then it probably helps Fulham in terms of where you build from the next time out. So if if, if I think there is a, a level here that when you're looking at this Fulham squad and looking what it's capable of, I think it's a much better squad than what Scott Parker started the campaign with two years ago. And in that regard, we are moving in an upwards direction as far as I'm concerned. Peter, your thoughts? I agree with Jack. Um, The main thing to take from the current team is that base is still there. That young base of players that we were very excited to bring in. Uh, they're still here. So Tosin Adrabayo, Anthony Robinson, Kenny Tetter, uh, Harrison Reed fits into that, I think. Um, it's been complimented. You know, the one criticism last year was having some support for Alexander Mitrovic. Drigo Muniz has come in. Um, Harry Wilson looks like a very, very good signing. Uh, is a kind of player that can grow with the team. And I think that's the criticism in a way, is that you have a team that can grow with each other so that you don't disrupt it with wholesale changes. Now. Last season felt different to the Premier League season of 2018-19 in that it was far more cohesive. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it endlessly, but probably should have stayed up. Um, and then you've got a different different base again, and then you then you can set your platform. And I guess one of the questions about the yo-yo issue is, I guess, do you want to then... It, it's difficult because of the squad. The squad's so strong that it doesn't make any sense to try and almost ref- like reset in the championship particularly at the moment, um, when the target is to stay in the Premier League. And if you can get to the Premier League and then hook up, get your hand on it and stay in it and build from there, then you've got a different picture, I guess. Um, But if you want to build longer term, you need to be thinking longer term in terms of your recruitment. And it seems that they're doing that, particularly the last two seasons. That's how I see it anyway. So, um, And complement that with, with the young academy players, the ones that they can keep if they can. And then... That's that's a pretty pretty good basis. Um, you know, it is really difficult to get into the Premier League, and I think it's much harder if you're not in that parachute payment club, um, which Fulham seem to be in, along with with Norwich and Watford. Parachute payments FC. Yeah, uh, that that's that's the bridge, isn't it, between the two divisions? And the 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 downside is you get caught in this yo-yo cycle. The upside is that you can actually get back. And there's always that opportunity to, to stabilize. I haven't done that yet. I need to get that right. Uh, but it seems like there are some good, some good signs that Fulham will be able to do that this time around. And 
being less disruptive with the squad, I think, is is key. You know, you you want to keep everything pretty stable. You want people to know each other. You want people to know the identity of the team. Uh, and if you're able to do that, then then great. There's always an inevitability about who goes and who who comes in when you get to the top flight because you have to add because the quality gap is huge. Um, just if you want to break out of Parachute Payment Club FC. Um, but it's it, it, it is, is, is a challenging one because if you if you look at, I mean, we talked about Stoke. Um, it, if you fall out of it, it can be very difficult to, to recycle, to, to move those players who are on good wages and good contracts. Um, and so the only real way to, to combat it is to, is to think longer term and to recruit in that way. And I would say, I would say in my opinion, um, that, that Fulham have definitely done that in the last two seasons. Yeah, I think uh, quickly my point is that it's interesting to see some of this perceived criticism of Norwich this this year that they haven't spent enough, um, which which is a ludicrous thing to say when they've spent 60 million. Um, but certain radio stations have said that this week. And I would love it next season that Fulham go up and actually we're not having to buy 11 players in a complete new side. I would love it if we go into a season where we're like, okay, we obviously need new players. We're in the Premier League but let's spend 40 to 50 million on three players that can really make a difference and add, completely add to this side. And I think actually, if we were to go up, we have the infrastructure there with Marco Silva and the spine of this team that probably we'd be able to do that. And whilst it would still be difficult, it would still be a season of, you know, ups, downs, turmoil. Yeah, it's never going to be easy. You can't, um, yeah. you know, it's never going to be like, oh, right, Fulham have gone up and they're going to wander through the division. Like yeah, this, isn't, eighth. this isn't a side built like Wolves were, and it's not a side with Marcelo Bielsa at the helm, right? It's, it's always going to be tricky. But I think Fulham are getting better at understanding what needs to be in place for Fulham to survive. Yeah, 100%. So that's that's my two pence worth. Plus a full summer. I mean, it's going to be a weird summer because then there's the World Cup in the winter, but it's still going to be like not four weeks trying to go into the Premier League. Um, we've seen what a, a full summer has been able to do this year and it was a Euros year. So that is, I think, what could make the difference for Fulham this year. Anyway, uh, we've um, not really got through many of the questions, but it was a great question, Ryle. So thank you very much for that one. Uh, And it's time to end the podcast. Jack Collins, uh, I think we know what the podcast name is, but let's do the formalities. What are we going for? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be streamless but seamless, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal. Well done, Cam. Very, very good. It's a podcast. You couldn't see what I was doing, Cam, but I was giving you a silent round of applause just there. So uh, congratulations on a great pod name. Uh, We will be back on Sunday, Monday. It's bank holidays weekend, isn't it? But we'll be back anyway this weekend, uh, reflecting on the Stoke game going into the international break. And then Jack is going to be hosting Thursday Club, looking back at transfer deadline day uh, and potentially a a bit of profile on our new signing, Rodrigo Muniz. Um, I think uh, Jack is tapping up his Brazilian contacts uh, for for that one. So yeah, have a listen to that next week and uh, have a listen to us on Sunday. And last thing to do is just say bye to my guest, uh, Jack Collins. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy, as always. And Peter Rutzler, thank you. Always a pleasure, Sammy. Thank you. Uh, Have a lovely weekend. Hopefully Fulham can get three points. Come on, you whites. You whites.